Nigeria have Na- scored again. Piss off. You're joking. It's not happened on my phone Three, yet. One. You're joking. Are you shitting me? Oh, Alana Kennedy, no. Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. That was our live reaction with the boss, Jonathan, and Danish radio host, Amelia Bremer, to Nigeria's third goal against Australia. Guys, what a day. I was very, not another one. <laughs> it was, it was like that. Um, I was, yeah, it's been it's been a day. It's wow. been a day. We, we had to pop out to record a little England-Denmark preview not expecting it to all go down in that That's when they scored both goals. Five, ten minute period. Kate, you, you were watching those games today. What did you think of the absolute chaos that went down on day eight of this tournament? You didn't see those goals either. Well, <laughs> I was on the train, travelling in, and it was 1-1. And then I got off the train and it was 2-1. And as I was walking up the steps, I was trying to get it on my phone as quick as possible. And it was 3-1. And I was just like... What is going on? And no one around me, because obviously my phone was just, I know, on their lunch break, walking going to work, whatever. No one was like in my, what is going on phase. So I was just like, it was just me with my mouth open at my phone on uh, Towbridge. Wow. What what a scene. What a scene. I would have loved to you have been running around like, what's that movie? Is it... Um Miracle on 34th Street or something where that man's just running around being like, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. <laughs> if you were like, Nigeria have scored, guys, everyone, come round, gather around, showing everyone your phone. That would have been amazing. But sadly... No one wanted to join in on that scene <laughs> no with me, so it's just me. That is sad. That's something I miss about yeah. with women's football, like with men's football in the 2022 World Cup, that Netherlands-Argentina game that went ended up going yeah. penalties and there yeah. was that last minute goal I was watching it on the overground on my phone and there was a guy next to me also watching it on his phone and there's just like something really nice about like looking over and kind of doing a little nod and being yeah. like we're both we're both enjoying this <laughs> it was so good and yeah I think it just capped off a really fun day because everything started with the USA Netherlands which was a very thousand years chaotic, ago which feels mm. like a thousand years ago but very chaotic high energy high tempo boxing match basically uh, then we had a little more subdued game between Portugal and Vietnam in between but Nigeria Australia did not disappoint we have so much to talk about on today's show so let's get into it after this Nowhere else we can start, really, apart from that game between Australia and Nigeria in Brisbane. Obviously, Australia as the host, there is so much pressure on their shoulders. And I just felt like with this game, even in the opener against Ireland, which was in Sydney, from the off, you felt this energy and this tension that everything in the lead up to the tournament with these friendly results and these these big fixtures that they played and won in front of a massive home crowd... The vibes have just shifted since the tournament actually started. And from going from this this team that looks so free and full of life and free free of pressure as well, suddenly everything's kind of closed in on them a bit and it's getting a little bit tense and frantic. And I felt like we saw this in the first half especially. Yeah, and when you have that added pressure, you can almost see it visibly. And when they won the bid to host it, it was almost like, oh, this is fun. It's going to be in Australia and New Zealand. Good team, got some really good players, but they haven't really achieved anything of note as of yet. And I feel like we kind of embraced that as like, oh, they're starting to do well. They're starting to actually form a good team that can win games and obviously with the game against England, um, the game against France just before the World Cup, you're almost starting to go, okay, what have they got now? And Sam Kerr is, of course, a huge loss for them. And I think that's really starting to show they're going to have to do whatever they can to get her fit for the second, uh, for the third game because it's just so evident that they need someone to stretch that back line um, and just with her intelligence of, of just splitting defences I felt like when they were getting wide there was no one in the box Um, but they really struggled to break down Nigeria and I think that has been a real struggle in the two games even with Ireland the 70 minutes I felt they were in control but the last 20 minutes all of a sudden it was like oh my god what is going on Ireland could have scored one or two goals Um, and it's going to be a really interesting last game and, and how they deal with that pressure 
I think it's up to them. I think they need to just kind of take a seat back and just be like, right, we know what we're, what we're good at. Let's try and do that in the game. I think it's interesting what you say about like they started winning games. They started building this team that you look at and you think, wow, like they could really do something here. But possibly too late. You need so much time being a team like that to feel confidence on a world stage in front of a home crowd to be able to convert that into results. Um, and I think maybe they just haven't had enough time to build that of being like, oh, we can win here. Like we will win this game. Um, like they know that they can, but they haven't done it enough to to feel like, to walk into a game like USA and just be like that advert from USA before like everyone wants to be us. They don't have that aura around them yet. And so maybe it's just come a little bit too late or the World Cup's come a little bit too soon for them. Do you think they needed even longer build up in front of those home crowds maybe? Is that what you think? Like, I just think they have really found, or before the tournament, they really found form. They've really found their feet. But maybe just not soon enough. Uh, but I mean, you could say the same about England, really. They obviously, post Phil Neville, didn't have that much time to build into that. So it is maybe just about how you soak up that pressure and deal with it. But I just don't think they're doing that as well as they should. And it certainly hasn't helped with the Sam Kerr issue. It is such a shame because it is giving sort of Ronaldo, original Ronaldo energy in in 98 in a sense that she is the golden child of this tournament. And now Australia are on the cusp of potentially not making out the group of a home tournament and Sam Kerr might not even get on the pitch. So we have the news before kickoff that she's not going to be fit enough again, probably. She does get a spot on the bench and people think, well, we're going to see her for a little bit. Mary Fowler also not available because she picked up a concussion in training. So it just goes from bad to worse, really. And and two really key players, Mary Fowler has been so good for Australia in the past year and kind of really holds together that midfield. But then also for the Nigerians, Asi Satshuala, she doesn't start. She's had an injury this World Cup um, and they're trying to sort of manage her minutes, but she's on the bench. So kind of before kickoff, people are thinking, right, basically both countries' best players aren't starting. How is this game going to unravel? And we know that Nigeria want to hit teams on the break and Ashwala is pretty much their secret we- weapon when it comes to doing that. And the first half was was quite interesting because it still was tense and edgy and nervous, but Australia had lots of the ball, but they just weren't really doing anything with it. They get that breakthrough fa- through Van Egmond, but Nigeria hit back straight away and there was just so much immense belief in that Nigeria team that never wavered, even though they were playing the hosts... Uh, the the overwhelming favourites who won their opening game and, you know, on paper as a squad probably still do have more than Nigeria. But Nigeria looked so organised and never phased at all. Nigeria did look really organised, but also had a freedom about them in terms of they could attack however they wanted to attack. And as soon as they smelt danger, they just went after it. And they kind of defended like that as well. And at times, I think on Jilly's commentary... Um, where a ball got played to the back post for a set piece and it kind of went back in. I mean, there were literally 10 players following the ball, chasing the ball, and all they had to do was just dink it to the back post and there was like three players overloaded. And you're thinking, well, has no one like found those spare players? But this is the thing. This is what pressure does to you when you're in a game. It's easy to watch it when you're a fan, when you're analysing games after. But when you're in that moment, you're almost like, oh my God, there's so many players around me. Just get the ball away from me. And I kind of love that about them a little bit. It's a little bit naive, but also actually it's quite aggressive and it is going to put players off. And you may be not expecting what they do and it is a bit unpredictable. Um, But in terms of when they went forward as well, I think Nigeria knew that they had Oshwala on the bench thinking if she comes on as well, she's going to cause a madness, which she did (laughs) for the third goal. I mean, Alana Kennedy didn't know what to do. But, you know, she caused so much chaos there that Mackenzie Arnold didn't know where to come and get the ball. Alana Kennedy didn't know where to head it back to her. Really, on another day, you should just clear it in for a throw-in corner, whatever, just get the ball away and, and that's done. But that's the pressure they put you under. So I think they're a really exciting team to watch and I'm really excited for the third game. I know that Ireland are out, but now I'm kind of like, I want to watch Nigeria. And I think that it's not just the way that Nigeria 
played in that moment where they put pressure on Alana Kennedy and um, Mackenzie Arnold. I think that's Oshwala. Like, mm-hmm. if it was any other player, I think you might be able to keep your head a bit more. But you're like, fucking hell, she's right behind you. Yeah. And she's like one of the best players in the world. Like, do something quick. So, yeah, she is just like magic. And she made such a difference immediately with both goals. Yeah, it was the overall hesitation that, that Australia just had with everything that they were doing, whether it was Caitlin Ford getting pinned into a corner with three Nigerian defenders around her and just not looking up and seeing the opportunity of a teammate to the defending corners, which looked a little bit all over the place. And we know that Australia's biggest weakness is their defence going into this tournament and it was going to be the one thing that they probably needed to strengthen or or try and improve on. But it was just, they looked so rattled for the whole game and that only got worse as the clock ticked on. Then you have Ashwala entering the game in the 63rd minute and just instantly... They didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether to track her runs, didn't know whether to double up on her. And Nigeria didn't really need to do more than just go direct because Australia were just messing up every single second ball. Nigeria always getting their head on it, always getting the knock-ons. And then it was just kind of a scramble to see what would happen with the with the follow-up pass. And more often than not, Australia players were being dragged towards the ball and then Ashwala was getting those opportunities in behind. Even though, Becky, we were watching this and thinking Nigeria are in this, they are really dominating the second half. Did you see what happened in that sort of 10 minute period happening? I don't think so. Um, I did, did, after the match, go back and listen to our um, preview of Group B because I was like... Did we drop any real stinkers of a take? Like, what did... I can't remember what we said about... Stinkers from us? (laughs) Never. (laughs) Never. I was like, I can't remember what we said, really, about Nigeria. It's interesting to look back at now. Something that Jesse said in that preview that I thought was really interesting now is that, you know, Oshwala is amazing, but against teams like Ireland and Canada she might struggle more on her own to break through those defences which are they play in a much more defensive way than Australia and I think that you've seen that play out so far she couldn't break down that Canada defence in the first game and has done twice really she created that second goal and scored the third um but I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens against Ireland whether she can do that and also there's obviously more elements to consider now that Ireland are out. And also, really, Nigeria only needed a draw. So maybe they don't need her to score. But I thought that was an interesting point from Jesse. Yeah, we know that both Canada and Ireland are, are quite negative teams to watch. But the way that Australia approached this game just played into Nigeria's hands because they were creating the space by pushing forward and then just could hit them in behind. And even when it was a reset at a goal kick... They didn't quite know what to do. But now we've got to look ahead to these final round of games because... You will find me in the pub 11am on Monday. This has thrown such a spanner in the works for Australia because I think a lot of people expected Australia to top the group. None of us are really sure about Canada and Nigeria are kind of this nice now joker in the pack. But heading into the final round of games, Becky, there's kind of quite a few permutations that could go down. I've appointed myself permutations queen. Uh, just before we came into this episode, so be ready for that. Can someone give me like a theme tune? I mean, it's a lot of pressure to be permutations queen as well. I know. It's like the what kind if I get of, it wrong? You're like what's her face? Rachel Riley is it on Countdown where we kind of throw to you on the board and you put the numbers, <laughs> the numbers. and the letters up. Um, when I was doing, when I was looking at the Portugal game earlier, I convinced myself that Portugal only needed a draw to. So I haven't got a great. Um, it's hard. It's start. complicated. It's a lot. Yeah, but can you give me a theme tune? Um, okay, it's coming Wow. Ooh, incredible. Like Thank you. Incredible. <laughs> I will be clipping that and playing it every <laughs> single time. So the games are on Monday, we'll say. Mon- w- they are, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll, 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 just, we'll, we'll imagine that we'll they're imagine on Monday. They're, they're on Monday at 11 in case it's yes. UK time. Anyway. So let's go to the pub, everyone. So Group B permutations. It it's pretty much a straight shootout between Canada and Australia. If either team win that game, they will go through to the knockouts. If Australia beat Canada and Nigeria draw, Australia will still go through top of the group. Both Canada and Nigeria only need a draw. If Australia draw with Canada, they need Nigeria to lose to Ireland. That's where we're at. Australia need to just go out and win, really, yeah. to secure it. But we don't know if Sam Kerr is going to be there. 
Kate, do you think they can do it without her? I do, because they did it against Ireland. They won the game. Um, Ireland and, they, and Canada are different beasts. Though. They are, but they still have good players. Like, they still have Caitlin Ford. Will Fowler be back for that game? Do we know? It, I, don't I, don't know, know bad, I don't know how bad the concussion is, but she mm. should be really based on like the usual protocols, but it really depends on how You just have to was. be careful, though, with yeah. concussion. You can't just throw them out there. No, I have faith in them. I really do. I think they've got a lot of good players. Um, Canada, meh, sometimes. <laughs> they are a bit meh. Uh, and... I don't know, like maybe Canada just take their foot off the gas if they know they just need a draw. I was going to say, have it's, you played any games like that where you know that you just need a draw to get through? Like, how does that affect the way that you think about it? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Two-legged games are actually mm. quite hard because your approach is different. I've not maybe done it in a, well, a group group stage of uh, the Conti Cup. The of famous, <laughs> oh, famous Conti Cup. Yeah, but that's gone different in. because it's got the weird penalty shootout exactly. rules. That's so a whole different bit. <laughs> that, and, you know, that's obvious, there's obviously more pressure on that Conti Cup so in a World Cup. Yeah, people care um, more about it. Yeah. I know I do. Yeah. So, um, but no, it is kind of hard knowing, okay, we just need a draw to get through. Um, but I feel like you have to sort of just go... Let's try and win the game, but also be sensible, limit the risks yeah. that you take. So you kind of have one eye on that. Um, but you, I think if you just go into it trying to draw and you just sit back and negative, like that's it's not a good game plan. Yeah, but what's ironic is that's how Canada seem to approach well, every yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is going to be this a different... This is the perfect game for them. This is yeah. the perfect game plan because they are a really negative team and they just don't create a whole lot of opportunities and their defence is really good. So it does feel like this is what we might see in this match, but Australia are going to have to throw everything at them. I think they will put Sam Kerr on with two broken ankles if they had to. Like, there's no way They've that she to. is not... Because also, if they... Like, from her point of view, this is... Everybody knows this is her World Cup. That's exactly how it's been built. That's every, how everybody thinks about it. She is playing in that game because if they go out and she doesn't step on that field, that is just... Like, I can't imagine how awful that will be for her. It's just so sad. It would be devastating to not see her play at all in in this home World Cup. So they will, I think they will do literally anything to put her out there. It really would. Do you know who it's not been devastating not watching in this World Cup? I don't know if that makes sense. Atisa Ashwala, because we haven't talked about her celebration. Shirts off. Oh, incredible stuff. Ala Chloe Kelly. An iconic celebration. And... Great stat, Becky. She has become the first African player to score in three World Cups and broken quite a bad rhythm of form for Nigeria when it comes to scoring goals because they hadn't scored in six of their last seven World Cup matches, Alex Scott was mentioning on the BBC coverage. So actually, you know, we even from watching them in 2019 and the the game uh, against Canada, it, like the, the chances come like not that often but they were clinical today thanks to her do we think they will get a result against Ireland I and think so. sorry I'd cut you off just to be like yes quick. I do it depends what Ireland are playing for are Ireland going to want to go out on a high and play for pride and just go all out and try and get a result or are they going to do what they traditionally do which is kind of sit back and play defensively yeah, that's what I mean I think they will just like go for it because you have nothing to lose and that will give Nigeria opportunity to just like get in around the back where they might not have done if Ireland, you know, had something to play for still. Do you think there'll be some more Kate McCabe heroics? I would like to see it, but I also <laughs> really want Nigeria to go through. I think that would be really, really great. So Australia and Nigeria to come through. Yeah, I think I would like that a lot. Yeah. I don't mind that situation. But also shout out to uh, Adrian Leon. Great Shall, goal. Yeah, yeah, good goal. Really good great goal, goal, is she? Great pass and great goal. Um, before we wrap up the chat on Group B, Susie Gage has asked, or Dr. Susie Gage, I should say, should include your Respect. doctor. You worked hard for that. You should include that. She's asked, I think it's a really good question, is it bad for the tournament if both home nations go out in the groups? Now, obviously, we've all said that we do think Australia will go through. It's going to be really interesting, that final game against Canada. New Zealand stuffed it up against the Philippines. Do we think it's bad for both the hosts to go through, to not go through, sorry? Yes. I do think that it would be bad for the tournament. Those Australia attendances have been huge. Um, and I don't think like success of a tournament 
does just come down to attendances, but I think it's important and they do have a big pull. And also I would like to see them when I'm in Australia. So if they got knocked out of the groups, it'd be really annoying. Um, could be better for England though. It could be better. And that's like <laughs> in the back of my mind, it's like, oh, if we don't have to play them, I wouldn't be too mad about it. But also I don't want to play Nigeria. I mean, I England play, are going to struggle against anyone yeah. at this point, Canada guys. fine. Um, I do think it would be like, if you look at the Euros and you look at, like us winning the Euros and what effect that has had on this country and women's football in this country is huge and so I think it would be such a shame for them to go out in the groups and lose that because I don't think you need to win the tournament to have that effect but I do think you probably need to go quite far. I think you want to keep the buzz for as long as possible like you just said about the Euros it was almost like we're picking up more and more fans as it went along and you'd be in the supermarket and hear people talking about it. You'd be on the street and you'd see something and that wasn't necessarily the case at the start of the tournament. And I think that's really important for the longevity of keeping Australian football, New Zealand football. Like You want it to be a long-lasting thing and not just, oh, we've played three games, yeah, it was really good, and then we go back to getting attendances of 2,000, 3,000 or something. Mm. You know, it's... It's. I think it's really important for the host nations to be there as long as possible because it keeps the buzz around the country there as well for the other yeah. teams, for the media interest. You know, they could be asking questions about, oh, what if you get England? What if or England? What if you get Australia and you're playing against the host nation and et cetera, et cetera. I don't so know. I'd I like them to good. go through. Well, I mean, we'd still if they go through first or second, we still have to face them at some point. But which I think it's second. If they come through second, we have to play them later. Right, if we finish top and they finish second, we'll play them in the round of 16. Okay, I don't... Uh, what if we both finish top? Then I don't think we'll face final. them until later. No, we can't play them in the final. Semi. They're one on the same side of the draw. Semi-final. Yeah, it'll be the semi-final. Oh, I don't want to play them in the semi-final. I'll take that. Like, would you take that now? Of course I don't you know. would. Well, I mean, England yeah, I would take a semi-final, guaranteed. yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we need to get the wall chart and have a proper look. <laughs> but that is the chaos in Group B. Let's talk about the big matchup in Group E next. So actually heading into today, I thought this was going to be the game that we might start the pod with. They got bumped. Because it was a very, very fun match uh, in the early hours of this morning. I think on paper, we were hoping this was going to be a classic. It is that 2019 rematch and lots of people had bigged it up, even though the two teams have changed a lot since then. And it wasn't necessarily one with like classic performances from either side when it comes to football. But when it comes to drama, acting, everything, it delivered uh, in that regard because it was just end-to-end entertainment, I think. Not a classic, <laughs> but it, in many ways, just a really memorable game because of some of the individual moments. Um, the timeline, we're having uh, a brilliant time on Twitter. I actually watched this back late, but it was quite nice because I was looking at the, all the tweets this morning and kind Did of like... Did you see my tweet this morning? What was your tweet I this said, morning? <laughs> reading the USA had loss on the timeline this morning, like it's the morning newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Well, Everyone was... So mad about it. That's the thing. When I was reading all the tweets, when I first woke up, I thought, damn, did did USA lose? Because that was the energy I was getting because it really was panic mode. And I think there are reasons for some a lot of these fans to be a little bit concerned. I mean, let's talk about the US firstly. With that win against Vietnam... USA created a lot of chances um, and they didn't finish plenty of those. And I know Carly Lloyd in the Fox coverage was going on and on about, you know, if you don't finish those chances, you're going to get later in the tournament and regret it. And those are going to be the games where you don't get opportunities and then you get knocked out. So there was already obviously like a a real nervousness about about a kind of lack of form in, in lots of areas on the pitch, and we know defensively that they're having issues with uh, Becky Sauerbrand being out and Juliet sitting there. But in this game, okay, I think the stress very much came from like the 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 weird game management that we saw from from the USA. We see Ertz start in defence again and we see a huge gaping hole in the middle of the pitch where you'd think, well, there's a very perfect player who can come and fill that gap and do a really good job. Rose Lavelle doesn't start, uh, which is surprising after a really good substitute performance in the first game. 
And we see um, Vlatko Anovsky just not make any changes really apart from Lavelle coming on for Savannah de Mello, who was one of the best players on the pitch at that point. So it, I think that was causing the biggest head loss here. And I think watching it unravel and watching the USA really start to panic as the game went on, I'm not used to seeing that really. And I think that was probably the biggest eye-opener for me is just the different way in which the US managed this game to say, let's say the 2019 final or some of the other matches we're used to seeing. Yeah, and that was one of the issues that we said maybe they would have at the beginning um, when we were analysing the teams is that they've maybe lost a little bit of control in the middle. I thought Sullivan was... Anonymous. Whoa. <laughs> Turn like a bus. I mean, for the first goal, <laughs> she can't step out there. And then when she does, I honestly thought my, my TV had frozen. Like, she didn't get back in. And... I, I'm, Were you shaking I'm it? so <laughs> used to Americans just being all-out athletes. Mm. And I just thought, what has gone on here? And that's the thing. And like you said, Ertz in the middle, I think she makes a huge difference from her being in the middle. But then who do you put at centre-back when they've got injuries? Um, I actually thought first 15, they started well. I thought, especially down the left-hand side, I thought Sophia Smith, she looked lively a lot of times uh, without too much joy. Um but her and Alex Morgan, I thought, looked dangerous on the left against Spitzer, who again, at right centre-back, I think she might be a bit vulnerable when it comes to later stages with other teams getting at her. Uh, USA just didn't expose it enough. Um, but I actually thought they started really well and I thought, OK, they look like they're up for it. They look like they could cre create a lot of chances. And then the Netherlands scored and it was almost like, OK, now they've got control of the ball. That first half, they sort of played it at the tempo. They wanted to play it at. And I thought Lavelle was a good sub, um, but I was also expecting maybe a couple of more as the game went on and there just wasn't any changes. And I thought, does he not have trust in the players that are on his bench? I know that the front three are the front three that you're probably looking to in terms of, listen, I rate them as one of the best front threes in the whole World Cup. But I thought Trinity Rodman was quite quiet and, and I didn't know who he was going to replace her with. Um, but he clearly didn't either because he didn't even look to the bench at all at any point where you're thinking something needs to change. Um, I liked the matchup of Van der Donk and Haran <laughs> uh, teammates. Oh, we we're going to get onto that. <laughs> yeah, and Farah's famous last words of she's in her head and then she scores <laughs> with her head literally 20 seconds Farrah. later. Uh, I love that. But like you said, it was almost like it had everything apart from quality. It had everything but nothing. I saw an interesting stat this morning, which I, I, I don't, maybe I'm on my own and being shocked about this. Um, but what you just said about substitutes made me think of it is this is the first time since 1999 that the US Women's National Team have repeated a starting lineup in consecutive group stage matches at the World Cup. Whoa. Isn't that so bizarre? That is really bizarre. Do you think previously because they just no, win just, everything, yeah, they're just like, yeah, we'll rest exactly, these players? Yeah. I'm, I'm 99? Like, I, I don't know. I was like, maybe I'm so Serena-pilled that I'm like... <laughs> no one else can consistent, do it. Consistent <laughs> lineups. But I'm just like, that is wild. Wow, that is amazing. Is it just, yeah, I think maybe because they've just like, they've blown teams out of the water and they're like, well, we can just do whatever. We're so much better than these other teams yeah. that we can rotate a lot. We'll just do whatever we want. I just think that's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, Lynn Williams was the was the player everyone was screaming out for to come on and the natural kind of attacking replacement who should have come on. But it's funny we talk about the athleticism of the US team and some of the battles they were losing because of the trolling from Andreas Jonkers before the game, talking about, you know, USA used to be the dominant athletes. Now we've all uh, caught up and pride comes before a fall. Shots fired. <laughs> I love that. And we were saying in the green room earlier, Becky, that you, if you're going to say that, you've got it's to follow so it up. so <laughs> risky because it's so embarrassing if you then lose. <laughs> and I just don't know if I would do it against the US Women's National Team. Like, they thrive off people hating them that's their whole campaign coming into this is like everybody hates us so I would keep my mouth shut but also well you haven't but <laughs> <laughs> so true another crazy stat as well was that it was the first time since the 2011 World Cup quarter final that USA had gone a goal down in a World how Cup match how old were you in that, in that year uh, I was, I I was doing my GCSEs I was finishing Fucking school hell. Yeah. that is so long 
Kate was playing in WSL first WSL season. Uh, Those were the days. She's man. been around the block. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sorry, just... that's two podcasts in a row. Where we've called you old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to. It. But it just shows the dominance that they've had in this competition, even when you know there are lots of moments where they haven't been at their best. But what was really interesting about this game as well is that the the styles couldn't have been more different because we've got a Netherlands team now who want to spend quite a lot of time on the ball, wanted to slow the pace of the game down to find those areas they didn't have Bierenstein she got injured in that first game obviously don't have Miedemar so they don't really have much of an outlet it's it's very much a game where they've got to take chances once they get inside the box it's just like shoot but then you've also got a US team who are pressing so hard trying to pick off the Netherlands and then play like transition football and cut out whole entire thirds with their passes but also do like shoot on sight but I never really felt Kate like any of the shots and I think they had 18 shots in total four on target never really felt like any of those US shots were that decent you know no uh, they had a couple of chances from set pieces um, but they just seemed a bit forced I mean with uh, Morgan's offside I thought that was really lazy from her she can see across the line and that was probably the first time where they could actually get in behind because Trinity Rodman had won it off of her losing the ball but then won it back straight away that was probably the only time really their defence opened up as such and I just thought of someone of Morgan's calibre someone of her experience just hold the line she finished it really well Um, but apart from that and maybe like the last five minutes I think there was a few shots and actually Netherlands could have scored as well but yeah so apart from their chance at the end that they had everything did seem a bit forced and I don't know, maybe we're used to seeing them just dominate and score goal after goal after goal. And actually teams have got better and more defensively structured and they're just like the rest of us. They've got to find yeah. a way to break it down. They're just human. It's they're really just good to remember. Human. I was at my initial feeling when I saw that scoreline was like, oh, thank God. Like they have, they're not being able to build up this like aura during the tournament because I don't think that they've had that aura for maybe the past year. But then you get into the World Cup where they are going for their third consecutive trophy. And I'm like, that does just like come back in a bit. Mm. So it's really good to know that they can be beaten and we can do it. Defensively, Netherlands looked very shaky and Van der Graat came off with an injury. And Nick Nguyen went in and looked a little bit all over the place. And I was thinking, why don't the US just put more pressure, put more players on the the uh, like really seriously shaky defence and just cause a bit more havoc and cause a bit more chaos? But they were so reluctant to actually get in the box. They were always trying to kind of get... Um, once they got into the final third, they were just so rushed with their opportunities and, and with their shots. But probably one of the highlights of the whole game, let's forget both goals, was the fight between Leon teammates, Lindsay Horan and Daniel van der Donk. Kate, firstly, you must have had some run-ins with DVD in your time. Yeah, um, not too many, but I've been on the pitch when she's had run-ins <laughs> with people. I mean, it's just her, isn't it? She mm. loves it. She loves that drama. She loves... It's almost like part of her character on the pitch. And she's such a nice girl off the pitch, but... She just loves to wind people up. And like you saw her laughing, like she finds it funny. And it was so good. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for that. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you want to try and put other other players off. and But as long as it's not detracting from your performance as well. But she's clever. She's smart. Like she wins free kicks where she's just been nudged, but she makes it look like, you know, someone's really gone through her or she's like moaning at the ref for yellow cards when really it's just like a tiny trip and you know that she'll do two times worse and then she's just like running off like doing nothing well in this game she absolutely slams into Lindsay Rand didn't even get a booking for that no I do not yeah. know yeah. how she escaped a booking it's I my initial, like, when I was watching it flow, we just watched it back and I was like, shoulder to shoulder, she's fine. <laughs> and then we watched a slow moment. it's like, oh, fucking hell. Lindsay Horan's knee, like, yeah. just, like, absolutely goes from under her. So Horan is left sort of wincing on the sideline getting treatment, is pissed, as you would be. Uh, a Leon teammate as well has just done that to you. DVD's just giggling. <laughs> and then it sort of all boils over at a corner. 
Um, Lindsay Horan just goes over and shoves her and is like, what the fuck? Um, then they start sort of like scrapping a little bit. But um, There was like a lot of pointing at each other, which of, I love. A lot of pointing and shouting. But then Megan has, has uh, asked us, which I think is one of the funniest things, is what is with the forced apologies that the referee made them do? <laughs> it's like siblings. Yeah, she made she brought them both over and was like, right, now you say sorry to each other. <laughs> and then it was all laughed again. But then Horan bloody gets the goal. That must be. And this was what I was thinking when you were saying this. Kate about Daniel Van der Donk is it's such a risky strategy because you can rile someone up and they can like get in their head and be rattled but you can rile someone up and then they can go and score against you and then that's so embarrassing for you that must be like up there with one of the best feelings in the world like someone's someone's put in a horrible tackle on you like you're really hurt it's your teammate and then you're scrapping and then you just say fuck you and then score a header. That must just be top of the world. But I, why didn't she celebrate in front of her? I oh, I know. Was, my initial I reaction know. is you would have done that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yes. She I'd went knee to, slide. Yeah. I'd give the finger like <laughs> she not went the, to not that finger like on the lips, on the lips. <laughs> she, she went. She went to the fans. I would have been turning around, screaming in DVDs. I, I would have immediately become a Lindsay Horan fan. I'm sorry, like that would have been iconic. <laughs> I would have been so in her face, like, oh, like don't I, be the bigger man. It's boring. I know, yeah. I know. Like Lindsay, if you're listening, next time just go literally scream in her face. And it was all laughs afterwards, and they were really pally and had a funny post match. And DVD had to finish the game in a swimming <laughs> cap. Which I'm sorry, I don't know if that's in the rules. Normally, you just get like a Terry Butcher. If it's bandage. bleeding a lot, I guess. But a swimming hat? It just made the whole situation <laughs> even funnier because then you had them hugging afterwards and now everyone's made memes of DVD going swimming and going like diving in a pool. I don't know if I would be able to let it go, by the way. Like what, the post-match. I think, oh, you have to. I think I would need a, need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, Haran said afterwards, like I was pretty pissed with her in that in that moment and I would be. I, imagine if she'd really injured her. It's like it's like when I, actually, it's like teammates playing against each other. Sometimes I think it's maybe worse. It's like when me and Flo played at that Tottenham game <laughs> on the Tottenham pitch opposite each other and I look like, in the picture, I, we're like running alongside <laughs> each other. I look like I'm having a great time and Flo's like, <laughs> so like, this is like my World Cup final. <laughs> yeah, you've got to take it seriously. Like on the, once it's on the pitch like, why haven't I seen this picture <laughs> we'll, show we'll show you, you. We'll show you. Uh, but Becky we've got to go to you as the permutations oh, queen Kate do you remember the tune um, <laughs> pressure wow 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 something like yeah, that yeah, I did Perfect. have a little thing at the end what are the permutations now for group E group E look it's probably going to be Netherlands and USA I'm not going to lie to you but if Portugal beat USA and Netherlands take any points, USA go out. In my head, I'm like, Kevin Keegan, I <laughs> would love it if we beat them. That's how I feel about Portugal, USA. Jessica Silva, what can you do yeah, for me, huh? Please. <laughs> um, if USA and Netherlands both lost, Portugal would go through top and then second spot would come down to goal difference. Yeah, Portugal still in with a chance after beating Vietnam. And who knows? Maybe they can get Jessica, a result. Jessica Silva, come through. Come through for us, hun. There are a few other quick headlines we've got to run through as well. We touched on um, Ireland in their final games. They're obviously out of uh, the World Cup after they really sadly lost to Canada. It was a really exciting game. But Katie became Olympico. I know. And it ends up being meaningless after all that. In the pouring rain in Perth, it had everything, all the drama. Japan and Spain are through to the last 16, both been really, really impressive. Norway, we don't have time to get into all the drama, but it's been messy to to say the least. I'm sure lots of people saw Caroline Graham Hansen's comments after their nil-nil draw with Switzerland. She was dropped in that game. She did a one-on-one with a Norwegian TV. She went on a very long rant about how basically the team's mess and um, you know nothing's changed and and there were the preparations were terrible for this tournament, etc. etc. Edda Hagerberg doesn't play in the game. She was in the starting lineup, she goes into the huddle and then she disappears. I don't believe her story. I simply don't believe it. And the reason I don't believe it is you look at that video of the huddle I've spent many minutes 10 at minimum (laughs) looking watching this video and looking at every single person's reaction they're baffled they are shook yeah like there's no way that that was a conversation before like oh we're gonna like have a like I think my theory is that she had the shits (laughs) if you look at the clip the way they look over they're like bitch where are you going yeah and that's <laughs> someone that's like oh I'm gonna shit my pants she's gotta go (laughs) but she wasn't running she did stroll off quite calmly you can't if 
if you're going to shit your pants, it's difficult to run. You've got to like. I had to run off the pitch and do that in the FA Cup final for Chelsea. Shut up. Yeah. You were going to shit your pants yeah. in the FA Cup final? Okay. I need every, every bit of information about oh, that. What the hell happened? I'll do it quickly because we haven't got time. But no, no. It was, we have no, time for this. Anything <laughs> else can wait, please. I've just scored. And wow. We Never was, forget. What was we the, were two one score? up. Okay, yeah. We were two one up, and it was the first half of extra time. And Karen Carney got the ball down the wing, and I started running after her. And I thought, <gasps> if I run any quicker, <gasps> I'm going to poo myself. <laughs> so, what, had you drunk too much coffee? No, or? I was just really nervous. Oh, okay. I was really nervous. I was baby Kate then. Oh, yeah, you were not yeah. baby. What I know now, you know, <laughs> playing for Chelsea. Uh, just. Yeah. So I was running down the wing, and I just thought stay with her but something could come out and then the <laughs> the ball actually went out for a goal kick so I sat on the floor and the physio came on and I said I'm gonna shit myself <laughs> and he was like right <laughs> and I went I need to go now and then I asked the referee how long was left yeah. and she said when the goal kick is taken she'll blow the whistle okay so I just ran and you can actually see it you could see it on telly. I will be going on YouTube immediately. Time. I don't know if you can find that though. Oh. I don't know if you can find that FA Cup final. It was before it was like What year? It was on Sky, twenty twelve. Okay. Right that down. But you, you can know. see Beardy. I ran past Beardy because it was at Bristol City's ground where the the tunnel was the opposite oh, end of where no. I was. Mate. So I literally run past and you see Beardy like his face following me uh, and he's like, Where are you going? And I couldn't answer because I was it, just well, running yeah. to the toilet. And I, I sat on the toilet and I remember saying to myself, sitting there going, You scored in the FA Cup final. <laughs> like, you need to calm down. And then I came back on, but they they were just kicking off as I was running wow. back on the pitch for second half. And then we lost on penalties. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Wow. Um what I will say is that's only the second best poo story that you've ever told. <laughs> yeah, and listeners, listeners, you will not be getting that one. <laughs> you won't be getting that's that's in the uh, in the director's cut blooper reel. I can't remember where we were. Oh, Anna Hagerberg may or may not have had the shits. Is what we were talking about. Because she needs advice. Cool, Kate on the stuff. So yeah, there, there's a, and then and then what happened was. Caroline Graham Hansen returned the next morning to do a press conference with Hegarisa standing behind her like she's just been taken hostage. <laughs> and she says, I'm sorry for what I said. I didn't mean any of it. It was the heat of the moment. So, yeah, there is lots of good reporting um, from Norwegian journalists about this. A lot of it surrounds the departure of the previous coach who was Swedish um, and was a, Caroline Graham Hansen had a you know very good relationship with him and she was pretty cheesed off when he got fired after the Euros drama. So there's definitely a squad divided right now and it's going to remains to be seen whether they're even going to get through to the next round. We've also got to talk about the amazing Linda Caicedo who lit up the tournament with her performance for Colombia, scoring a goal, a brilliant goal, bad goalkeeping, but the run was tremendous. Um, she's now scored in three World Cups, under 17, under 20 and seniors. And also not sure if a lot of people would have seen about the crazy story of her being diagnosed with ovarian cancer when she was 15, going through treatment. She's only 18 now, I think. And uh, yeah, she's just had an incredible journey, such a talent. I also want to briefly mention Yamila Rodriguez for Argentina, who got in a lot of trouble for her Cristiano Ronaldo tattoo and had to defend why she had to say that. That is crazy as an Argentinian. I mean, that's crazy as a person, in my opinion. Yeah. It's gross. But as an Argentinian, that's insane. Wild. So she had to basically say, no, I still love Messi. I just also love Ronaldo. So could not be me, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) England have a massive game tomorrow against Denmark. We previewed that with Danish radio host Amelia Bremer. Here's what she had to say. Amelia, thanks for chatting to us ahead of what is a massive game for Denmark and England on Friday. Firstly, I want to ask you about how Denmark's opening 1-0 win over China went down in Denmark because a similar a similar game for England, really. It was kind of tense and nervy and not the best performance from Denmark, but they did get the job done. But how did that performance go down for you guys? Yeah, I think nervy, nervy is exactly the right word. I mean, it was the first World Cup match for the Danish women's national team for 16 years. So there's been a lot of, of tension and a lot of high hopes for this tournament. People were really looking forward to it. Um, but I think, I mean, playing-wise, it was very nervy. And uh, 
Denmark didn't play so well. I mean, the first half was very poor. There was a lot of technical fouls, just, I mean, passing, just going right right, right over the line on the sidelines. And yeah, just, just very poor performance from, from the Danish team in the first half. But I mean, they adjusted. And also actually the... the assistant coach of the national team wrote on yeah LinkedIn of all places but uh, <laughs> that, uh, that the Danish team actually also contributed to the tactical um, adjustments in the um, uh, during the match and also actually the players themselves made the adjustments on the pitch which was uh, quite interesting I think so half uh, second half was much better and we got the three points in the end. I'm loving that LinkedIn analysis. I think, you know, I know LinkedIn's yes. the place to be, but uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed that people are using it for their post-match thoughts. Uh, you mentioned the fact that it's their first World Cup since 2007. So obviously it's a bit of an adjustment coming in. And w- would you say it's safe to say that last year's Euros were a disappointment for this team? Yes and no, because I think our group was just horrible. Mm. I mean... But losing 4-0 to Germany in the first match, definitely a bad start to the tournament. Um, but I think from then on, it was, it was okay. We were alive until the end against Spain, um, but still, I mean, pretty far from it. Um, so I think this is also kind of a, a rematch opportunity for this Danish team. Not a lot of uh, new players since then. Um, so in that perspective, I think they really want to yeah, progress from this group and, and do a better job. And what are the expectations for this group? You mentioned that group of death they had to be in in the Euros, which is unfortunate. Some new younger players coming through, but where do people expect them to finish? I think people and the team themselves also expect them to to progress from the group. And then, yeah, I mean, Canada or Australia, probably, uh, maybe maybe Nigeria. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think just progressing from the group would be would be pretty okay for Denmark. We're still a small country I think Danish football mentality is a is a bit tricky sometimes because we are a really small country but we also have very high hopes for our football team both men's and women's but uh, yeah getting out of, the, out of the group would be a really good uh, first step we know as well from previous tournaments and previous games for Denmark that Penela Harder is such a key part of how they play and in the build-up to this game it's really been all about her but we also know that often if you shut her down it is challenging for Denmark to find other outlets how Mm. do you think they're going to approach this game because they need a bit more versatility going forward don't they? Yeah, I think I have personally and also on my podcast in Denmark, I've been campaigning for Penilla Harder to go a little further back in the pitch to get her more on the ball because she will get um, very alone and she will get um, yeah get get out of the games when she's when she's on the nine position. So to get her a bit maybe on the side or down as a ten, um, that's that's really what I'm hoping for because it's it's sometimes too easy for the opponents to just I mean tuck her down and then and, and then we don't have much opportunity because I mean you guys know obviously Katrine Kuhl from, from Arsenal she's she's such a big talent but she hasn't really made it click for the national team yet so we are definitely needing more attacking options when Penilla Harder is, is more out of the games And outside of Harder who do you think England should be worried about tomorrow? Obviously Katrine Kuhl is, is someone that all Danish fans are hoping uh, for I mean we want her to to, to make those passes that we know she can do to break the lines offensively. Um, also, Nicolina Sørensen, that you guys might know from Everton, is a, is a very big talent in the Danish offense. She's been positioned a bit on the wrong side, I think. I would like her in the in the right side of the pitch. She's been on, on the left side. But if I will get my will and Penilla Harder goes a bit uh, further down the pitch, then maybe Sina Brun will go in the box as a nine. And I think that would be a good option for Denmark as well. I hope that you do get your way and Harder does come a bit deeper because I feel like the social media reaction is going to be great and you'll say, I told you guys. Um, quickly, <laughs> quickly though, give us a score prediction for tomorrow. Oh, I'm a pessimist. I mean, I'm a, not to shock up to you guys, but I'm a, I'm a big fan <laughs> of the English team. I, I, think, I think you have a great team. Um, I, I would be really, really happy if we get a draw. Um, but otherwise, I think it's just about 
getting the Danish people, uh, the Danish team to, to to play their game a little bit more. And if we can do that and only lose a little, then that would also be okay. <laughs> I like your optimism for this English team because my my expectations <laughs> are so low yeah, about you know Friday. What? It's made me feel better about it it's, because it's I'm like, well, if you're a bit scared, then maybe I don't have to be as scared. Because <laughs> I am very nervous, I'll tell you that much. Um, Amelia, okay, thank you so much for joining us and good luck. And maybe we'll speak to you again, see how this game goes on Friday. Yeah, all good. Good luck to you too. Thanks for having me. So interesting and reassuring there from Amelia. Uh, It's definitely going to be a a tough game, I think, for England based on previous performances. How are you feeling, Becky? You know what? I haven't really thought about the football of it. I've just thought about how I'm having a nice breakfast with my friends and watching it. So hopefully England don't bring down the vibe because I think that's going to be really wholesome. I think that's the way to do it is not not worry too much about I'm just concentrating on the, the social element of it. Kate, um, Lucy Bronze speaking today ahead of the game saying it, it doesn't really matter what the performances are like. If England continue to win 1-0, then you know the results speak for themselves and that's what matters in tournament football. I hear what she's saying. I don't love what she's saying. It's making me feel quite nervous because the fact of the matter is, is that England's performances in the last six months have not been good. And I think even so, even though there's been moments where they have pushed through in games that, you know, penalty shootout win against Brazil, they just really do actually need a good performance to give them some confidence. Yeah, I think it's important for the latter stages for them to kind of feel like, okay, it doesn't matter who we play we can play well. Um, you know, if you can get a couple of goals, it's good for the confidence individually. Um, but I'm also, I'm I'm kind of on her side in terms of, I don't think it does matter the performance at this point um, because you want to get through. I think if they play the two games and they get six points, no one's looking at, okay, how they've been playing. They've got six points. Um, but I think for the fans, it's important that you try and put on a good performance to give the fans hope, really. Um, I think we have been a bit disappointed in the last few months. You look at some of the performances, the way we're not really creating a lot of good chances um, when we have good forward players. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm very relaxed about it. I think we'll we'll do the job tomorrow and, and make sure that we're through. Um, but I don't know. I think we need a little bit of flair. I'd really like to see Lauren James play. I'd really like to see her in the 10 just because I think she can offer something completely different when we don't have Frank Kirby, we don't have another player that can really unlock defences like she can. And I think Lauren James is the next best thing, although she does it in a different manner, a different way. She could be that spark where everyone goes, okay, we've got someone that's our saviour. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, it's been a busy day, guys. God, frantic. So many eventful matches today. We're going to be back tomorrow with a very special guest as counterpressed fan Carla Ward, Aston Villa manager as well, is going to be joining us with, I'm sure, she's some been, hot she's takes. She's begging us to come on. She's going to have some hot takes on Rachel Daly, I'm sure. Kate, thank you so much for popping along. We may see you again soon. I know you're booked and busy, but... Yeah, just let me know when I need to fly over to Australia for the day <laughs> and I'll try and fit it in. And you've also got a train with Charlton, yep. obviously. But yeah, we'll be back in the studio tomorrow. We'll see you all then. <laughs>